I'm Pastor Chad Roberts, and I want to welcome you to Awaken to Grace. Today, we are continuing our study of the kings of the Old Testament. And today, we come to our first king, King Rehoboam. This is part two of a sermon called The King Who Would Not Follow God. Friends, the fatal flaw of King Rehoboam is that he refused to set his heart to follow God. We are going to learn many, many life principles from this king. I'm so glad you're with me today on this broadcast of Awakened to Grace. And you know what Lincoln said in 1863? He said, in all of our wealth, in all of our power, we have offended the Almighty. And listen to what he said. We have forgotten God. Do you realize that in the 2021 proclamation by this administration, out of 485 words, do you realize that God was not mentioned one single time? Friends, we have forgotten God, and we have offended God. Now, they mentioned climate change, but not one mention of God. Not even one. So when national tragedies come, like what we saw in Texas, what are we to do? When even in our national day of prayer, our leaders will not even mention his name. It is an offense to the Almighty. We would do well to study Chronicles. We would do well to pay attention because now the kingdom has split. There's a civil war. I pray that America will not ever enter another civil war. We are divided between red states and blue states. We are divided in our ideologies. I think we're divided basically in every area that you can be divided in. And there isn't but one remedy to heal our land. And it's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. We must humble ourselves. We must repent. We must come back to God. Watch what, Israel, watch what Judah did. Instead of attacking Israel in chapter 11, now their pride is hurt, and now Rehoboam has to prove himself, and <coughs> they're going to attack. A prophet comes. A prophet is going to come, and I believe it's verse 5. He's going to give them a word that, they are not going, that they're not supposed to attack. And I'm sorry, I believe that's chapter 12. I'll, I'll get there in just a moment. Yeah. But a prophet comes to them, says, The Lord does not want you to attack your relatives. This is of his doing. Do not do this. It's verse 16 I want to show you in chapter 11. Look at verse 16. I want you to see what the people did. The people listened to God, says that earlier in the chapter. 
They chose not to attack, so they listened to God. And I want you to look what they did. They set their hearts to seek God. Oh, what a remedy. And see what Jeroboam did that was so wicked. See, Jeroboam, he knew the politics of it. He knew that if all of the Levites and all of the people from the north came down to Jerusalem to worship God as they ought to do, it would turn their hearts back toward their brothers and sisters. It would turn their hearts back toward their relatives. It would again become a unified nation. So do you know what he did? He prevented anyone from leaving the north. Well, how are you going to worship? You know what he did? He created their own religion. He ordained his own priest. He led the people into gross idolatry. Isn't that interesting? And so all of the Levites, they say, we can't do this. We can't worship God like this. No, we're going to the south. So they come down to the south, to Jerusalem. And as a people, they unite their hearts and they say, we are going to set our hearts to worship God. So you think, all right, there we go. The rest of chapter 11, Rehoboam fortifies all of their defenses. God begins to prosper the nation. Judah is accelerating. Things are going quite well. Now go to chapter 12 with me. And let me show you where many of us are living right now today. I want you to note chapter 12, verse number 1. After Rehoboam, after his kingship, the Bible says, was firmly established. Where five years into his reign, there's no disputing. He is the king. And look what it says. As he grew stronger, as the Lord grew him in his strength. Notice what your scriptures say. He abandoned the law of God. Now, isn't that something else? I want you to pay close attention to this. In chapter 10, he abandoned wise counsel. Do you know what the next step was? Chapter 12, verse 1, he abandoned the law of God. Look at verse 6. The Bible says he abandoned God altogether. And God says, verses 6 and 7, because you've abandoned me, I've abandoned you. Do you see the course that Rehoboam was on? When you begin to abandon good, godly, and wise counsel, do you know what your next step is? You're going to begin to abandon the Word of God. And do you know what happens when you abandon the Word of God? You've essentially abandoned God Himself. If you're going to take notes today, I want you to note this about abandoning the law of God. I want us to talk about this because many of us right now, we are in this situation. Many of us, we, we relied so heavy on the Lord and we prayed so strongly to God and we asked God to bless our future and we asked God to bless our marriage. We asked God to bless our career. We asked God for all of these things and now you fast forward and God has strengthened us and God has helped us and God has increased us and now where are we spiritually with the Lord? We've forgotten Him. Isn't that true of so many lives? Is it true today of your life? That the more God has blessed your life, the farther away you have drifted from God. The more God has answered your prayers, the more you've abandoned Him. Friends, there is a danger 
to success. And every one of us have the potential to follow that dangerous path. Let me tell you, God wants to bless your life. Do you believe that? He does. But can you handle those blessings? I don't want God. Listen, David said it so well. David said, don't make me. Listen to this prayer David prayed. I wish I had looked up the reference for you. You can look it up. You'll you'll find it. I promise. (laughs) David said, don't let me be so poor that I have to steal bread to eat. But listen to what he also said. Don't let me be so rich that I forget my God. There's some truth to that. Lord, don't let me be so well-to-do that I feel like I don't need you. Amen? And how many marriages are here today? And you relied so heavy on the Lord when you started out. But as your careers progress, as your children are growing, you don't pray as a family anymore. How many of you are going into retirement years where You worked so hard all your life. And now, and now you have the time to serve God like you could. And now you have the ability to serve God as you've always wanted to. But somewhere along the way, you've abandoned him. Don't let the blessings of your life separate you from God. That's my point. Don't let the blessings in your life separate you from God. And what did he do specifically? He abandoned the law of God. You know what I think of when I read that? I think of Psalm chapter 1 verse 2. Your law is my delight. Oh, I love that. Do you delight in God's word? Do you delight in the things that God says, in the way that God thinks, in the way that God feels? Is it an absolute delight to you? And David says, not only do I delight in the law of God, it's in your law that I meditate day and night. And then I'll be like a tree planted by the rivers. What a blessing. What a what a word picture. No, I, I, don't, I don't want the, the blessings of God to separate me from God. I don't want to abandon his law. And listen, I've got a specific word for many listening today. Because in our culture, we put God in these little compartments and we, we, we got God in this very nice, in this very squared compartment where he fits on a Sunday morning or he fits in times that I need something or he fits in, in maybe just times that I pray about something. And God is in this nice little compartment and then I've got the rest of all of my life that's mine to live. And I'm okay because I got God in this box right here. He fits nicely right here. But I want you to understand this. And those of you taking notes, I even want you to note this. God and his word are inseparable. And I want you to hear my heart today, my precious friends. Oh, I want you to hear my pastoral heart today. Some of you think you're okay with God because you pray a little bit before you go to bed. 
Some of you think you're okay with God because when you find yourself in trouble, you throw up a Hail Mary prayer. Some of you think that you're okay with God today because you got him in this nice and tight and fixed little compartment. But your life is absolutely contrary to the word of God. Friends, you're not right with God today. You're not okay with God. Because if your life is contrary to the word of God, then my friends, you've abandoned God himself. Because God and his word are inseparable. I know a man right now. I know a man right now who... If you ask him if he's right with the Lord, he'll say absolutely. And do you know why he'll say absolutely? Because he reads his Bible every single day of his life. But he treats his wife horribly. Is that man right with God? See, my precious friends. Oh, hear my heart today. Hear my heart. Some of you have the wrong perception. You think being right with God is checking off a few boxes. No. God doesn't want you to simply do right things. He wants you to be the right kind of person. Our faith, our Christianity is not about doing things. It's about being the right kind of person. My friend who I pray for so often. Oh, he can read the Bible every single day. But see, that same Bible that he reads is the same Bible that says, if you are harsh to your wife, God won't even hear your prayers. Maybe he just hadn't got that far yet. Maybe he'll come to it. But see, when God weighs him, when God weighs him, Is God going to weigh the fact that he reads his Bible every day? No, that's checking a box. That's a routine. That's doing the right things. Or is God going to weigh how he treats his wife? Am I making sense today? Sometimes in our church cultures, just like Israel focused on the outward of Saul, we focus on the outward too. Oh, I don't do this. Oh, I don't do that. Oh, I've cut that out. Oh, I don't do this. But is that what God is truly measuring? No. He's measuring the inside. He's measuring who you are as a person. Could it be that the greater God has blessed you, the further you are away from God today? I don't want that to be my testimony. I don't want that to be my experience. So Rehoboam, he, he's abandoned the law of God. He's abandoned it. He's walked away from it. He's left it. You know, that makes me think in Revelation 2 with the church of Ephesus. You know, we often misquote that verse. We say that, uh, you know, God's, God told the church that they lost their first love. You know, that's not what the Bible says at all. It doesn't say that they lost their first love. It says they left their first love. They abandoned it. They walked away from it. I counsel so many marriages where someone, Satan has thrown them a curveball. Oh, he'll throw them a slider and they're swinging and striking out. And somebody will tell me I've fallen out of love. 
Oh, I've lost my love for her. Oh, I don't love him anymore. I've, I've lost that. No, you don't lose it. You leave it. You abandon it. You abandon it. Friends, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you in all that God has given you, in all that God has blessed you with, in all that God has strengthened you. Is God the center of everything? Is he the center of your marriage? Is he the center of your relationships? Is he the center of your friendships? Is he the center of your decisions and your choices? Is Christ the center? If not, you're drifting. Let's heed the word of God today. Let's pay close attention to the word today. So verse 1, he abandons it. Now look at verse 5. So the prophet is going to come back. Now, there's some trouble brewing. There's a king in Egypt that is raised up named Shishak. Oh, there'd be another good name. <laughs> See a little kindergartner? Shishak. <laughs> I don't know. When I was a kid, people at my church called me Shadrach. Chadrach. Chadrach is what they called me. Anyways, you'd have to know that story, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Anyway. And this king named Shishak is going to come against him. And <coughs> he far outnumbers the people of Judah. And the prophet tells him, beginning in verse 5 and 6 and 7, listen, you've abandoned God. You've forsaken him. You're in trouble now. And I want you to look at verse 6. I want you to look what the people do. The people go, God is right. They humbled themselves. They repented. They humbled themselves. Oh, isn't that fascinating? But I want you to pay attention to this. I want you to skip down to verse 14. Here is the summary of Rehoboam's life. I cannot think of a sadder commentary for the grandson of the man who is after God's own heart. I cannot think of a sadder commentary than the grand, for, the, for the grandson of King David. I can't think of a sadder commentary. Verse 14. He did what was evil. And he did not set his heart to follow God. Friends, that tells us everything about Rehoboam. Let me ask you a question today. What if your life's summary, God wrote it in one verse? What would it say? What would be said about you? See, you measure yourself by your retirement. You measure yourself by your net worth. You measure yourself by what you've accomplished. You measure yourself by what you've gained in this world or what you've lost in this world. But how is God measuring you? What did I say in the beginning? Kings is about the historical perspective. But what is Chronicles? It's God's perspective. And what does God say about him? He did what was evil and he did not set his heart to follow God. Could that easily be said of you today? That in all of your pursuits, in all of your ambition, in all of your quest, 
for significance and your quest for happiness and your quest for the American dream, could it be said of you that you did not set your heart to follow God? What a warning for this culture, for this day. Lastly, I want to ask and answer this question. Then how do we set our hearts to follow God? Now, see, the people did it in chapter 11, verse 16. The people set their hearts to follow God. God said, don't attack your relatives in the north. They said, okay, God, we won't do it. The Levites came down, and they set their heart that they're going to follow God. But then, five years later, as God prospered the nation, five years later, as God blessed them, what happened? They abandoned the law of God. Friends, are we doing the same? Do we love God in one compartment, but then completely deny Him with our lifestyle in our other areas of life? Does our lack of prayer abandon the law of God? Does our lack of spiritual fervor abandon the law of God? Have we, are, we, are we drifting? And then in verse 14, listen, the people came back to God, but what's it say of their leader? No, he did what was evil. And he never set his heart to follow God. How do you do that? Well, let me just, let me leave you with this. Today, if you say, Chad, I have drifted. And I know it. I know it. God's given me the very things I've prayed for. I've never been further away from him than what I am right now. God's given me everything I want in life, but here I am wanting more. What do you do? Well, you know what we've seen, the thread through these chapters? You humble yourself. Let me tell you, you want to see what God's drawn to? You want to see what he's attracted to? Humility. And I want to leave you with this question today. In verse 6, they tell God, you're right. You're right. We've abandoned you. And we're going to return to you. I want to leave you with this question. What would your marriage look like? What would your work life look like? What would all of the big areas of your life, all these things that matter to you, all these things you pray about, what would your parenting look like? What would your retirement look like? What would your dating look like? What would your choice of school look like if you humbled yourself and you said, God is right and I've been I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to return to him. Friends, I'm not asking, are you in some gross, negligent sin today? I'm just asking this. Are you drifting? Are you drifting? And all of a sudden, God feels like he's a thousand miles away. God hasn't moved. Why don't you come back to him today? And you say, Chad, how do I do that? 
Humble yourself. Get back to his word. Because God and the word of God are inseparable. And today, if your choices, if your decisions, if your habits, if your lifestyle, if your thinking is contrary to the word of God, then friends, you've abandoned God. Come home today. Come back to him today. If you enjoy the daily broadcast of Awaken to Grace, then I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can get our podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Simply search Awaken to Grace Weekly Sermons.